Welcome to Artful Aging with your host, Amy. Are you a senior or a caregiver of a senior looking for support and direction? Best-selling author, educator, and expert in senior living, Amy Friesen, is here with the help you need while providing you with an important and valuable support network. So now, please welcome the host of Artful Aging, Amy Friesen. Morning, everyone. I'm Amy Friesen, and this is Artful Aging with Amy, and we're live on Bold Brave TV. Have you ever considered whether you should document your loved one's life? What was important to them? What do they want to live on after they're gone? What are some of the favorite memories of them that you have with your time together? Many people are nostalgic, and honestly, what I wouldn't give for a video message from my nan. I think that it's such an exciting time. Through social media, short videos, and visits, we can hang on to so much more of our loved ones than ever before. In fact, many seniors and families are going online to get their own Facebook accounts up, and they're also having a lot more conversations between each other generally online, which means that seniors are connecting with the younger generations even more than ever before, which I think is phenomenal. We saw through COVID that the increase in video conversations uh, was obviously on the rise, like anybody, um, and through FaceTime and Zoom as well. So we've got lots of different ways to connect with folks that are digital now, which we really uh, weren't making good use of, I don't think, before COVID. So that's something that's as a benefit has come out, I believe, especially for seniors connecting with younger generations. My guest today is Michelle Devera-Khan. I hope I have that right, Michelle. <laughs> it's a tongue twister for me. Um, who is my guest? So she's my guest today, and she's been a filmmaker since her high school years and has taken a keen interest in documentary filmmaking. Her most personal piece was a documentary she produced on her grandfather detailing his 1940s escape from Syria. During the pandemic, Michelle also received lots of messages from the community asking if she would help and hold lessons on social media on how to use it and various other platforms. Shady Pines Learning was then born, and, and Michelle teaches seniors about online safety and security, how to use Zoom, how to use social media, and she also holds online paint nights and film history clubs. Welcome, Michelle. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you, Amy. Very close, Devorah, but <laughs> Devorah. I've been called many names. I've been called that. I've been called Kahan. I've also, I've been called Jennifer. I, on TV. A lot of, a lot of people call me May, if you would believe it. They just mix up my letters, so. Yeah, so, you know, it's, it's sometimes the show, the show must go on, I'm just like, yeah, and then the rest of the show, I'm Jennifer, so it's fine. <laughs> Well, I can handle, I can handle Michelle. So, so Michelle, can you tell us a little bit more about what brought you to the world of filmmaking and when did you know that that's what you wanted to do with your life? Well, I always had this fascination with uh, history, that it being documented for all of time. And I was a huge fan of old films. So that really, be, that was a part of it. I actually wanted to become a film historian. It was Turner Classic Movies, uh, TV Land, Nick at Night, all those that introduced me really to the world of filmmaking. Uh, it was 
you know, we're in Canada, so it was the illegal satellite at the time, uh, like most of us, let's, let's be honest. Um, but what really got me in was I was 14 and I was bored in uh, French class. I still can't speak French to this day. And this is why. I wrote my first short film in that class, so it was grade nine. Um, it was actually partly my father. He kind of forced me. He said, uh, like, he, he knew I, I could write a movie, so he kind of made me. He's like, I want the, I want the script on my desk by Friday. So I, I, I did it. And from there, we ended up uh, submitting it, filming it and everything. We submitted it to our school film festival. It ended up winning Best Film which was really surprised with 70% of the audience votes, which was really surprising considering it was black and white, silent, slapstick, very Charlie Chaplin. And I was uh, the first, I believe, single producer, director, and female to get that award. So I found my confidence from that, and I ended up submitting it to different film festivals all over the world, including TIFF, the um, youth division, Sprockets, and it was then when I saw my name and my face up on the screen at uh, Famous Players in downtown Toronto, I was like, this is for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the giant sign that we're all looking for. Yeah, right? was, I, like, I, paid, I paid my ticket. It wasn't free. It was like 15 bucks. I sat in the back and I saw my face and I'm like, oh, <laughs> like, I'm like yes. <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. Well, so I mentioned at the, at the top of the show about um, your grandfather's documentary. So can you tell us more about the documentary with your grandfather and what led you to produce it? So I was in the 12th grade at the time and it was we had a school project where we had to make a short film as for film class um, on anything we wanted. And I, I'll be honest, me being the lazy person I was. I wanted something that was easily accessible, not a lot of costumes and props and different things. So I'm like, I'll make a documentary. That'll be easy. I did not know what a documentary really was at that time, I'll be honest. And I didn't realize it was actually a lot harder, in my opinion. Um, but I'm like, oh, my grandfather, he has this story that we've all known about our entire lives, except he's never really told anybody about it. This might be a great opportunity. Of course, it led to a lot of problems because he didn't want to talk. So he is a Jewish man. He escaped from Syria in 1950. He went off to Lebanon and from there met my grandmother, had his children, and then came to Canada. And he had very rarely spoken about Syria. Lebanon, he was a little bit more at ease with. So I was warned by my mother, you may not be able to do this project. He may not cooperate you may get an f <laughs> you know but uh we we ended up sitting down for me and him we probably sat down for a total of eight or nine hours and it was the first time he had ever opened up to anybody and it wasn't easy it wasn't easy for him but we were able to produce this great documentary called wanted the joseph s's story and here we are today so many years later i don't want to age myself <laughs> well, <laughs> i can tell you what year that was <laughs> That's beautiful. And how did he feel after, like, I'm guessing he's seen it. And how did he feel after his story was out there? So, you know, one of the biggest lessons um, I learned from this is that our fears are more scared of us than we are of them. What do I mean by that? Well, this was very hard for him, as I as I explained. And it could have been for many reasons. Um, you know, he I imagine he was afraid that nobody would necessarily care uh, what he had to say, what he went through. Um, he was probably trying to block a lot of it out, and I'm sure he still did. I, 
I can imagine there might have been things that he didn't tell me because um, a lot of things actually came out more like just more detail would come out later on years later he would be he would just be a little bit more um, open but you know he it was difficult and we had a lot of uh, chats even on camera I know they're documented somewhere in, in in the middle of the scenes of me trying to coax stories out of him because I would ask him you know tell me about Syria and his first response was I was never in Syria so okay so the, the, the movie's not gonna work then <laughs> and uh we had to you know take a pause and i had to explain to him you know you gotta you gotta work with me here and uh, we took our time and then came the premiere and i was really worried up until the premiere because i really thought he was going to pull the plug we did it at a local synagogue in toronto and we had family and friends there we even had like strangers there there was over 100 people showed up to this random little film screening that i put on and I was really scared that he was going to stop the whole thing because he, he was nervous. I was watching him throughout the screening and the smile on his face got a little bigger. He got a little bit more at ease. He was laughing with everyone. He was clapping. By the end, it was like that fear had never existed. All this pain just lifted off his shoulders. He was shaking hands with everybody. He was taking pictures. After that film screening, anytime he ran into any of my friends at the mall, he would tell them, he would just sit them down and start telling, because they used to message me on Facebook to let me know they saw Joseph and he sat them down for coffee and told told them stories about his life. So I, I from that, I really learned that, you know, the fear that lives inside of us, it is more scared of us because we have that ability to control it. And we have the ability within a moment's notice, the snap of our fingers to make it go away. And, you know, I was really... I'm really happy that I made the documentary for many reasons, but that's probably the the biggest, uh, you know, reward of all was just watching somebody's kind of pain float away. Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, what you're saying about, about the pain, like in the story, generally speaking, and trying to share that. But then there's also this other layer um, for someone like Joseph, who um, I'm not sure exactly how old he is, but for your, being your grandfather, he would be. Um, less inclined probably to use video and social media and all that stuff, right? And so just to have even everything documented in that way, it would be very different. And, and uh, we're going to talk about, you know, documenting seniors' journeys and, and other people's journeys too. And it's very different for them because they didn't grow up with the video and social media like a lot of us did. Mm -hmm. And so even just wrapping their mind around it, I'm supposing that that would be difficult, wouldn't you say? Yeah, the... I have to say the, the camera scared him. The camera was yeah. the biggest thing. It wasn't talking to me necessarily because, and I, I heard this from another uh, documentary filmmaker, a friend of mine, uh, who does this with a lot of uh, refugees and, and you know people who have survived these traumatic experiences. It's often the grandchildren that they are more open with, but not their own children. So I actually knew more than my mother knew. I was telling her stuff about, about her father. You know, so it, mm. it, it was very special to me, but I will I will agree that the, the camera scared him. I had to yeah. kind of get him to focus on me and forget about it. And, and there were times uh, my father because I was I was in high school. It's not like I had a whole team behind me. My father was the cameraman. I had to get him to leave the room. And it was just me, the camera, my grandfather. And I had him face me and just try and not look. And when he didn't remember about like that, it was there is really when he was able to open up. And that's a lot of what was in the documentary. 
Yeah, I mean, I can I can imagine that he would freeze, right? And even anybody that you know wouldn't be used to video would probably freeze. Even just doing this, you know, video that we're doing right now, I had to also get used to being on camera too, and it's just a little weird, right? Even though we're all used to videos and and pictures and social media, um, which is interesting. So. What advice maybe could you offer to families who might be considering documenting uh, their loved one's story? Do you have anything that you could let them know? I, my biggest, I get asked that question a lot, actually. And my biggest piece of advice is just do it. It doesn't need to be fancy. It, it doesn't need a special camera or, you know, a lapel mic or it doesn't need a script. It doesn't need anything. Just start talking. Just start asking them questions or just let them talk. You know, I find that um, the biggest hurdle, and this was this was a part of it for me, putting the documentary out there. I didn't complete the documentary until I was out well out of university, actually. I was probably, I was 20 something when I completed it. And one of the hurdles that I had, the internal hurdles was the idea that if you look at it, it's not that aesthetically pleasing. Now I was 17 years old. We we had just gotten introduced at our school. I used the school camera, the SD card. So we were done with the mini DV tapes and it, we, we were moving up in the world, you know? And, but I, I still didn't have all the lighting and all the, fa- I, I did not have that fancy equipment, you know, I was a kid. So I was a little reluctant, but I saw that it was a good story and a good story trumps everything. And everybody has a story to tell. And I think that, you know, I think that it's really important. And I see that now my grandfather, he passed away at 101. He passed away December, December, 2020. So right before the pandemic, you know, really hit. And, um, my grandmother actually passed away in 2016. Uh, she was much younger and uh, it was very unexpected. So especially with her, you know, I was very lucky when I sat, even though I was doing, even though I was doing this on him, I actually sat her down and I still documented her entire story for many hours, even if I didn't put it in the documentary, because I knew it would be a value someday. And here we are. And, and it is. Yeah. And you get to keep that memory. Like I said, oh, yeah. again, at the top of the show, I, what I wouldn't give for a video from my nan who's been gone like 25 years. Right. And we just wasn't there. Right. We just didn't know any better and, and whatnot 25 years ago. So I'm dating myself at this point. But so, Michelle, let's take a break. Um, after we come or when we come back, we're going to talk about misconceptions about documenting life stories. Uh, this will be helpful information for anyone who has been on the fence. Stay tuned. You're watching Artful Aging with Amy. Artful Aging with Amy is currently looking for guests and show ideas for our next season. Drop us a line at hello at artfulagingwithamy.com and let us know what you would like to learn about in our upcoming season. Hello, and thanks for joining us again on Artful Aging with Amy. I've been speaking with Michelle, who's a documentary filmmaker. Um, we are also talking about, you know, how seniors and making documentaries about their lives and how video has changed things and um, how it would be lovely for a lot of us, I'm sure, would love to have videos of our grandparents and their stories. Some people may think that not only writing down about traumatic stories is kind of, you know, on the line and whether or not to do it, um, and especially if the people that you're writing about or filming have had 
have had traumatic events or have been survivors of um, traumatic events. But then, you know, like I said, adding the video on top, like Michelle was saying in our first uh, segment is that, you know, it's a little bit more, it makes people freeze more than anything. So how do we combine talking about hard things, putting it on video, and then getting people used to talking about hard things also? Michelle, what are some of the misconceptions about making documentaries with survivors of traumatic experiences? Okay, so there's a, there's a lot of misconceptions. One, that everything is going to be perfect. Here's a good example. <clears throat> I was really needed, needing to cough, and I was holding that in. <laughs> we're live, and you're talking. I don't want to be rude, but here we are. So that's number one, I guess. Um, another one is uh, that they don't want to share. It's not that they don't want to share. It's that it's hard. And I come back to the whole conversation about their fears. And there's a lot of reasons why they are afraid. I think one of the number one reasons is is probably that they're afraid. At least this is what I've gotten from other people that I have worked with. And I've worked with other families. And, you know, people have come to me and I've helped them do their stories. And a lot of the times they're just scared that nobody cares. That no one, you know, with, with what's, you know, it's, it's, it's the past. It doesn't necessarily matter. It's not, maybe it's important to them, but it won't be important to their loved ones. And that, that's sad because that's really not the case. So I think the biggest misconception is that they're just, they're not interested in sharing or they, you know, it's this, they just desperately want to talk, but they need to feel like the listener is ready. So when I'm talking to other families about documenting, I always tell them, go into it easy. Let them set the pace. And just, you know, just be ready and willing anytime they want to share. I think I also learned, though, that there is a very strong power of sharing that story. So this is also, you know, this is something I tell people all the time. I get messages from all over the world, even to this day. And when I say to this day, if I'm correct, the movie was produced in 2013. With COVID, I don't know what, what date. I don't even know what month I'm in, so whatever. But <laughs> it's 2013. And I still get messages from places like Italy. I even got a message a while back from Syria. Somebody in Syria stumbled upon the documentary. And that is very cool. There is something special about sharing your story. Most recently, my parents were in Florida, and this this was a maybe a month or two ago, and they were sitting at the pool, and they were trying to make friends with the other couples in the building. You know, hi, how are you? Because this is their first time, you know, out of Canada and into Florida in a long time. So they're sitting by the pool, and they started. They struck up a conversation, and my mom, you know, she's born in Lebanon. There was someone else, another Jewish person there who was born in Lebanon. So they started talking about, you know, the old country and everything and and how little information there is about Jewish refugees from uh, the Middle East. And the man said, except for one documentary I saw about some guy named Joseph who escaped out of Syria. And my mom's like, that's my dad, <laughs> you know, and it's stories like that. that it's it, that, That's what makes it all worth it. And if one person sees it and stops you on the street one day, that's all you need. It, it's not about, you know, necessarily 
changing the world. It's about that one person touching that one person. And whenever I, you know, get that one message every so often that that tells me that I'm doing right. And that's something that I, I tell people all the time, like share that story. You never know, you know, who's watching and who's going to learn something from you. I think that's amazing. And the connection between your mom and that gentleman, right? It's like, it's just more reason for people to connect, which is something I think that, you know, obviously has been on the back burner because all of us have been in our own houses for years at this point. And so just anything that helps people connect, I think is amazing. Now, I so I have been talking with you for a while. And so I know that you've been a new mom. You're a new mom now. So congratulations, firstly. And thank you. I, I know to me, when I had Eva, the world looked a bit different to me as well. I'm wondering do you see things in a different light now that you're a mom with documentary documenting life generally? Yes and no. I always knew that this would be something special for our family because, um, you know, my sister had gotten married. So I knew that she at the, you know, when, especially when I released it in 2013, she had already been married and I know that, you know, she was going to have children. So it was more about, I actually had in my mind, you know, her children, you know, seeing these things, not even my own. It wasn't uh, like something that I could at the time even, you know, conceptualize, but mm -hmm. it's, it hasn't changed, but it definitely made it a little bit more meaningful. I, you know, I, I look at my son, Herschel, we call him Hershey. And, uh, I feel, I feel, you know, lucky for him that we have this documentary to show him. But I also feel sad because the people in the documentary are no no longer with us. So it's it's tough. Um, but again, I'm very glad that I did it. And it'll be something that, you know, he can look at later on. And maybe he'll document somebody one day himself. I feel that same way about Eva, right? Like we've got all the even just of her childhood like of her specifically because we have all the video equipment like different things that i mean just video cameras right um and so you know every once in a while when facebook's like hey this is a memory from four years ago and it's like a little video of eva learning to walk or whatnot it's stuff that we didn't we didn't most of us didn't have right it's stuff that most of us can't even look back on and then to add in about you know here's a picture with your grandparents or here's a video with your yeah. grandparents or whatnot I think that that's delightful, actually. Um, and then she looks back and she some of it she remembers and some of it she doesn't. And, and so she can interact with that. And then she can have more meaningful conversations with her grandparents because she sees something that they've done or or whatnot. So I think but that that's fantastic. When it's when it's personal, you know, mm. it's not it's not part of it, obviously, is learning about, you know, Hershey learning about his family history. That's very important. But something that, you know, as a child that fascinated me, I used to watch over and over again my parents' wedding video. Why? Mm. I was just fascinated with how people looked, how they moved then, what they were like younger, where they were having fun, they were smiling, what their voices sound like. And just having that in itself is very special, especially when that family member's gone. Yeah, I agree. For sure. So let's take a short break, Michelle. After the break, we're going to learn more about Shady Pines learning. So grab a cup of coffee or tea and join us back here in a few minutes on Artful Aging with Amy on Bullbrave TV. Are you watching us on YouTube but would rather listen to us in the car or on a walk? No problem. Artful Aging with Amy is also available as a podcast. 
head over to artfulagingwithamy.com for the links. Welcome back to Artful Aging with Amy. I'm your host, Amy Friesen, and today we're talking to Michelle, who's a documentary filmmaker, and she is the owner of Shady Pines Learning. So let's learn more about Shady Pines. Michelle, can you tell us what Shady Pines Learning is and what you do? So Shady Pines Learning, our main goal is to really educate, uh, connect, empower, and foster growth within the senior citizen community. So together with our very dedicated and experienced staff, we've created these programs meant to give seniors confidence in their everyday lives. So we've actually, um, during the pandemic, The business was born during the pandemic. Um, Like many, I've had to pivot because I'm in Canada and there were a lot of shutdowns. So all of what I did had to move to online. And I found that there was a real need within the senior citizen community. A lot of of, uh, groups approached me asking, knowing that I had a background in social media. I had a certificate and I had been teaching at the local college here, a course in social media storytelling. And... I did it for a few groups. I loved it. And from there, Shady Pines Learning was born. It's amazing. Um, How are you finding people are reacting to physically learning about social media and stuff? Because because a lot of seniors, although are coming online and obviously more through through COVID than ever before, but there's still a lot of people that hadn't really broached it yet. So how are they, how's their learning curve, I guess, maybe is what I'm asking. Like, how are they picking it up? They're picking it up very fast. I I was a little surprised. I didn't. I, I underestimated them. I'll be honest. And uh, they they picked up things really fast. And I was able to show them more than I thought I was going to. Um, and it's cute. I see people's grandmas because some of them, you know, are my friends on Facebook, and they're commenting and they're sharing pictures of their grandkids. And it's 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 really. Excuse me. It's a really sweet sweet thing, and I'm just happy about it. <laughs> What are, what are some of the favorite things um, that people want to learn about? Like what are, you know, are most people coming to you because they want to know more about Facebook and, and how to work that? Or even are they looking to do videos with their um, families? Right now, if it's the individual, um, it's been Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp is a big one. And mm. Zoom, Zoom, um, because that's, that's obviously very common now. Um, when it's... Uh, group or an organization that comes to me and they want to put on a workshop it's actually online safety Mm. uh frauds scams online banking because that really is a group that is very vulnerable to that even phone scams we talk about phone scams all the time um so i think that that would be probably the most popular that i'm asked to facilitate or my team is asked to facilitate and we have people who have worked in you know in the banking world um in finances and different areas customer service and people with a lot of different experience and backgrounds that are able to share personal stories of what they've had to deal with at work and and how to spot that scam the scams are super difficult i mean they are rampant and i'm even getting emails and texts and stuff and like i have to take a second look and i'm not even convinced all the time that it's a scam either and i was like no nah, you have to think about it really hard i've yeah. been under arrest for eight years they're coming to get you I owe, apparently i owe amazon a lot of money right now <laughs> i also won a dozen cruises excellent <laughs> 
Someday you'll cash in on all those cruises. Yeah. Well, they keep they keep wanting to close my Scotia Bank card and I don't have one. Like good it's tough. It's tough. And then the, I mean this there's scams going even in our local area, which is I think it's called the grandparents scram, right? It's about yes. how like grandchildren are reaching out to seniors saying I'm in trouble and then yeah the senior doesn't know and wants to help like any of us. And so I think it's fantastic that you're able to educate people on the scams because again, we're working with the senior demographic for, you know, what we're talking about now. And I would say that this type of scamming and things is not something that's in their wheelhouse. They're not used to it because again, they didn't necessarily grow up with, you know, social media and and texting and stuff like we did. So um, I think it's super beneficial. Yeah, it's 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 you know what it's really it's really unfortunate that they're they're constantly targeted, but uh, they and you know full disclosure I've almost fallen for one or two scams so it's mm-hmm. it's not just anybody can be scammed anybody can fall for it in any you know industry in any capacity it's just about re- what we teach people it's about reading between the lines and looking at what's not there not always what's there you know and even if yeah. something is simple or if it's an email something as simple as a spelling mistake grammar error the like it, you know looking yeah. at the um url at the top don't click links just if you're not sure you delete it do not click the link that's the number one i will tell everybody listening today do not click the link <laughs> yeah do it. it's true yeah just and you no. just have to just say no to the links <laughs> no. yeah, yeah and you have to just make sure that you know like you said you're reading between the lines and maybe just take an extra second before you do something with you know if it's an email or whatnot so that you can so you can figure it out for yourself. Again, I've also had that problem myself. But um, what about before the break? How about could you tell us a little bit more about what maybe is the most rewarding part of Shady Pines for you? Uh, you know, it's just watching people interact that I've taught, you know, on things like Facebook. A good example is my my mother-in-law. Hi, Jaja. Um, <laughs> <laughs> bonjour. She's in Montreal. Um, you know, I... I I, and again, I underestimated her. She was in one of my my classes. Uh, the an organization put it put it together, and she had been asking me. And this is when the borders were closed in between the provinces, so we couldn't even see her. This was during early during the pandemic, mm-hmm. and uh, she kept asking me to help her understand WhatsApp and Facebook. So I just brought her in uh, to one of the groups that had hired me, and I watch her now having feelings on Facebook. And, you know, the love button, like she knows now she's a pro. And every time I see her do something on Facebook, I'm like, that's, 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 that's a little bit of me right there. And uh, no, it feels good. It feels good to see like, she's getting, you know, she's getting something out of it, especially during a time when you're separated from your children and now your grandchildren, because it is Mm -hmm. still difficult, you know, when you live far away and during the pandemic, even if things are opening up, it's still, you're still having that separation sometimes. So having these skills it's gonna serve them not just doesn't just serve people on a business level but on a social level on an emotional level you know they're connecting Mm -hmm. and this is for every age yeah there and there's been so much isolation like you're saying and and, you know anybody that was able to kind of hop on learning video and all those different things early in the pandemic probably benefited the most because the isolation is a real problem for seniors. It's a, it's a problem for everybody. Um, yeah. But I'm finding that because I work with seniors, I obviously see that more often. And it's just been 
significant issue. So, you know, missing out, I can even look at it from Eva's point of view, right? Missing out on time with her grandparents and her aunt and her uncle, right? And it's just been difficult. And yes, you know, we've been trying to video, but, you know, trying to video with a four-year-old is quite difficult as it is, you know, attention span and whatnot. So the fact that we are able to send them pictures or send them voice chats or whatever um, has been helpful for them. And so I can only imagine that any of the seniors who were able to access Facebook or jump on to any WhatsApp, like you said, or Zoom earlier, or even still jumping on now will still benefit because um, their, their family, that's where they're at. Even, you know, even family that isn't a big fan of Facebook and things like that, like my husband, for instance, he still has other ways to reach him. Right. And it's, it's just, again, it's kind of like what you said earlier is finding what method works best for that family member. Right. And if grandpa is always on Facebook, then you go to Facebook. If grandpa is always on text, then you go to text. Right. And it's, oh, this can be dangerous. My niece, she is five, maybe six. I don't, again, the time is like, I don't, I don't know, but you know, she knows that my mother knows how to use, you know, Facebook and whatnot. So she calls her now at four or five in the morning on face. Yeah. So it's not always, sometimes grandpa may not want to say what he knows how to do. (laughs) It can be dangerous. (laughs) Oh dear. Oh dear. So why don't we talk a little bit more about, so we talked about the courses that Shady Pine offers. Um, is there any favorite that you love teaching? I think you mentioned scams, but is there anything uh, like when you're on one-on-one, is it Facebook that's your favorite? So scams and online online safety or safety yeah. in general, different things. That's actually, that's just the most popular, the most asked for. Um, okay. The secondary, which happens to be my favorite, is the social media. Learning how to use Facebook is my favorite one. Next would be Instagram. But now, uh, not to inter- sorry to interrupt you, yeah. but are there a lot of seniors on Instagram? Because I find that surprising. Like I, I steer away from Instagram myself. But you know, what is the situation? They want to be on Instagram. I'm surprised mm. when they ask me. But I think they want to be, or they want to know what it is because they see. The, remember, they see the grandkids on it. Yeah, when you, it's a they're looking for a way to connect, and I and I you know I appreciate that. So I show them. I don't think a lot of them necessarily go for that. I think the ones that they end up using the most are Facebook and WhatsApp. Yeah, but WhatsApp WhatsApp's huge, especially if yeah. you're you're not in the local region, right? Like it's just much easier. I find, I mean, I use it with my team professionally, but I also use it with friends and family. And, you know, it's much more user-friendly as well if you're away, right? And you're contacting people uh, from long distance. Yeah, uh, well, in Ottawa, mm-hmm. Manny's parents are in Montreal. Yep. And my parents are in Toronto. Yeah. So, you know, and then we have, we, have par- we have family all over the world, but th- this is a great way for them to see their grandson, you know, and for him to see them, even if it is on a video, you know, yeah. and uh, it's convenient. So I think that that's also, you know, they're they're realizing a lot of the grandparents now do have a cell phone. And I mm. think that they're realizing the convenience of it because not a lot. Some of them still use a computer desktop. I find that they, they do prefer that mm-hmm. uh, because it's bigger, you know, yeah. and you can see the full picture and it's not a scrolling situation. And and I, I, I get that. But I think when it comes to things like WhatsApp, they they really want to connect. Not everybody has the iPhone and, you know, it's not. And that's one of the more um, popular types of 
apps to use. Um, mm-hmm. Zoom, again, is another popular one they asked before because we're all about Zoom now, right? Yeah. Everything is Zoom. So yeah. that's one of the reasons. But I really love the art classes and the film club, you know, where we talk about, you know, movies, talk about uh, history, talk about those things and get to just have a conversation, connect and learn. Those are the the most easygoing ones. Those are my favorite. Um, We're, we're going to be introducing a book club as well. Um, Michelle, sorry, just before you go into that, why don't we, let's take a break really quickly and then we'll talk about book club. Good. Okay. let's (laughs) Let's take a break. We'll be right back on Artful Aging. Are you in need of retirement living, but unsure where to begin? At retirementhomeadvisors.ca, we have brought senior living advisors together from all over Canada to help families navigate the senior living industry. For more information, book a call with one of our advisors today. Welcome back. Before we were leaving for the break, we were talking about online learning and and, and uh, all the different courses that Michelle offers. And she was just getting into her book club, and I had to <laughs> I had to pause her for a minute. So let's go back to that. Michelle, can you tell us a little bit more about the book club and the history club that you've started? And I also see that we have a guest joining us. Yeah. So this is Herschel. We call him Hershey. <laughs> He's actually named after the candy bar. Uh, <laughs> was uh, I was craving uh, Hershey candy bars the entire pregnancy so we decided to name him that so this is her say hi he woke up early from his nap but he's excited to join us so we're uh, yeah so we're working on a lot of different courses all the time we we get a lot of feedback and we hear a lot about what these organizations a lot of um community centers senior centers that they need so we're developing all the time right now as far as the more you know creative fun social aspect uh, a book club um, we're looking to revamp our film club and our art classes. The art classes are more a one-off. It's not necessarily weekly, unless somebody asks for it. I find that they're more like once a month. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as as far as the others go, you know, things like Facebook, Instagram. I don't know if you've noticed are changing all the time. Even mm-hmm. just where their buttons are, um, the functionality and things. You know also um, working together cross-posting. So there's always more for me to update and work on and learn myself so I can teach other people. So even if you took our Facebook class, you know, a year ago, Facebook looks very different today. It's even, it's hard to keep up as a professional myself. I don't know. Sometimes I wake up and Mm -hmm. I'm like, I don't know what, like, where's the post button? (laughs) Like, you know, it's not, it's not easy for me. So we're constantly um, reworking our courses and just trying to update them and make them better. And again, we're learning from people's feedback, uh, people, you know, who have taken the courses or people who haven't and are interested. What do you want to learn? What did you get out of it? What would you have preferred we focus on? So we're, we're really we are always interested in what people have to say, because that's what makes us better. And we're here to serve you. I think, uh, do you have a lot of people that are interested in the book club and the history club and whatnot? I feel like that would be feeling quite a need for socialization again, because we haven't had very much being able to do something virtually, um, I think would be helpful. What's what's your feedback? Well, the film club, um, especially because I'm, and people have called me my whole life an old soul. I am like a 90 year old in a nine year old's body. (laughs) Okay. And I, I, I grew up watching like Turner classic movies, Nick at night, you know, TV land. Um, my favorite movie is the wizard of Oz. And I, 
so I have a lot to, to, to talk about with, you know, seniors and what they, what they enjoy. Same with music and all of it. I, I, I wasn't born in this era. Um, but so I think that that one is definitely popular, maybe because I just have so much passion towards it. Cause again, mm. I'm a filmmaker, um, book club, we've gotten a lot of really positive feedback about, you know, interests cause we haven't started it yet. Um, we're looking into whether, you know, do they want fiction, nonfiction, because there's so many different, you know, some people want fantasy and, you know, there's so much, that's the good thing about book club, same as film. There's so many different genres out there that we can, you know, connect with so many different people that I think it could be very popular, just as popular as the film one. Excellent. Well, before, before we leave you today, can you tell us what's next for Michelle? What's next on, (laughs) what's your next plan? Well, my biggest production is right here. Um, um, you know, right before the right before the pandemic, I was starting to work on a documentary. Um, again, I am in Canada, so I mentioned I'm in Ottawa. We were planning to shoot in Montreal, and the provincial borders were closed, so mm-hmm. we had to. Sh- we we did not. You know, it's not canceled. It was just temporarily shelved and then I got pregnant (laughs) so we're still we're slowly now starting to work on that documentary it's about refugees again um human rights so we're we're starting now to wrap that up I'm also uh I'm working I'm writing uh with my husband we're actually doing it as a team we're writing a children's book and inspired by this guy right here and we're also working on a podcast together um, Great. We, got a lot, we got a lot of stuff in the works and of course Shady Pines Learning that's something that is remote we are going to be offering some in-person courses slowly obviously again I'm in Ottawa so it's going to be probably Ottawa maybe Montreal and Toronto neighboring areas um, but we're still going to be continuing online so we can you know work with people all over the world like we have been and uh, we're, we just really look forward to continuing this new venture Fantastic. Well, thank you, Michelle. It's our time has come to an end, unfortunately, but I'm so happy that you were able to join us. I hope that more people will look at documenting their loved one's life. I do believe that future generations would really be grateful to receive it. So again, thanks so much, Michelle, for coming on today. I really appreciate you sharing your stories. Thank you, Amy. I really, really, I love what you're doing. And I'm just so grateful I got to come on and speak to you today. And I'm, if he could speak, he would say the same. <laughs> Well, Herschel, it was nice meeting you as well. For more information on Michelle and Shady Pines Learning, uh, head over to artfulagingwithamy.com. Uh, there's her bio there as well as links. Um, for So again, for today's show, I'm a big believer of documenting life events. And I personally would love to do that more so even in my own life. And I know that probably one of the reasons why I love photography so much I also love the idea of coffee table books as a way to document anything that, you know, anything generally, but really what I see them use more so is when people are making a move from a house and they want to make sure they can document what the house looked like and what their room looked like and things like that. Um, and when we're working with families at Tea and Toast, we actually um, have a lot of people that look into that because making a move from a home after so many years is quite difficult. And so to have that memory is super helpful. Uh, let's go into my top tips for today who really enjoy the Coles Note for people who really enjoy the Coles Notes versions. Um, again, uh, and want to know more about their loved one's past. This is really kind of the top tips that I would give you uh, to kind of document that and have those conversations. So my top tip would be to let your loved one know your why. 
usually once you can express why you would like to do the documentary or have the discussion, people are a little bit less reluctant. Remember, they may not want to do it in the same way that you want to do, however. So like Michelle was saying, you know, take that in stride, you know, gear it to that person, make sure that they're comfortable because at the end, you're going to get something that's going to be memorable, whichever way you want to do it. Tip two would be to help um, figure out the medium. So again, whatever's comfortable for them, they may not like video. They might want written. They may want audio. What is it? So try to be a little bit uh, fluid in that method because the end result is getting that story. So make sure that you're fluid enough that you can get that story and you don't turn the person off. Um, and then I also think that a good tip would be to give them a little time to reminisce on their own. So perhaps giving them some questions before time, letting them think about them, letting them, you know, stir in their mind so they have something to have a conversation with and they don't feel like they're going cold into uh, the documentary, for instance. So again, there's no right way to do it. Make sure you let the person know, you know, why it's important to you and just work with them. And that's it for today. So on next week's show, we're going to be discussing advocacy with my guest, Mark. If you've enjoyed today's show, please give us a thumbs up, share with your friends and family. That way more people can find our show. And uh, from me to you, uh, I hope you all have a wonderful Wednesday. You've been listening to Artful Aging with host Amy. Many folks just like you feel they're alone in their journey in helping a loved one or caregiver. So tune in each week and let Amy show you that help is around the corner and is just one conversation away here on Artful Aging.